0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to good people who listen to futureprimitive.org. I'm on the phone with Pam Montgomery, who is in Vermont. Pam Montgomery has been investigating plants and their intelligent spiritual nature since 1986. She is a founding member of the Northeast Herbal Association, and is on the advisory board of United Plant Savers, the author of Partner Earths: a Spiritual Ecology, and contributing author in Planting the Future. She is a practicing herbalist and plant spirit healer who offers trainings and treatments from her home in Danby, Vermont. I am actually holding in my hands her book, Plant Spirit Healing, A Guide to Working with Plant Consciousness. So, I would like to jump right in, Pam, with you and ask you, what are the principles of spiritual ecology?
1: Well, spiritual ecology has to do with just like the word like the, the ecology is your relationship to your environment so spiritual ecology would be your relationship to your spiritual environment so both both your spiritual environment internally and your spiritual environment externally and there's you know there's different ways to they're all kind of uh, interrelated but there's this uh, subtle way in which spirit um and then sometimes not so subtle way that spirit in, interacts with you so in your in your internal environment you would one of the things that I look for to see if I'm operating from a spiritual from a balanced spiritual ecology internally is like is I try to listen to that monologue that goes on inside my head, that that, that voice that, that is always talking to me. And so I listen to that voice and, and I listen to hear whether that voice is is life giving, is is feeding life, is feeding me, is helping me to grow and and evolve and and all that or is that voice uh negative is that voice saying oh you're not good enough for that oh you can't do that oh um you know whatever it is to me when i hear that voice constantly uh as a monologue inside me then i say to myself okay there's something out of balance here in my relationship with spirit because it's not life-giving so when i when i use the word spirit i mean uh, in defining it, I, the, I define it as the uh, the vital principle held to give life. So that that which is life giving, that to me is what spirit is. And so I pay attention to that internal monologue that goes on. And then in my external environment, it has to do with my relationship with with all that I come into contact with. And I strive to be in a co-creative relationship with that, not. Not, not getting into that place of me being the almighty human who's at the crown of creation, but that I'm just a part of nature. And I'm one of the aspects of nature, and that I'm equal to, to all of the rest of nature, to the plants and to the animals and to the water and to the earth and, and all the elements, and that I am not any greater than or lesser than, and that together we co-create this, this life. And, and so that is, for me, on the, on the outer world, that's, that's a balanced spiritual ecology when we co-create together. So so that's a little bit of an idea about spiritual ecology.
0: So if you uh, will speak to us about how you came to form a relationship with plants.
1: Oh my, well that might be a long story. Um, Let's see, it really began when I was young, a, a child, and I had the wonderful fortune to have a grandmother who was very much a plant person, and my grandparents lived in the eastern hills of Kentucky, so in the Appalachian part of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and she would, she would. In the afternoon, we always, they always had their main meal at, at midday, and you know, farm people in the old days they had their main meal at midday. And then, so she'd be in the kitchen cooking all morning long, and all for that. And then in the afternoon, about three o'clock or so, she'd be done in the kitchen, and she would come outside and she'd start working with all of her plants. And she had lots of plants, and she had flowers, and she had herbs, and then they had big gardens, the vegetable gardens of course, and they raised animals. And um, but she would come outside and she'd start picking and pruning, and just going around to all of her plants. But she talked constantly to her plants. And I would come up to her and I'd say, "So, Granny, who are you talking to?" And yeah. in her very Kentucky accent, she would say, "Well, you know, plants are just like nice people; they need friends too." And mm-hmm. so she would, she really, um, she was really in relationship with her plants. And so the wonderful thing that I learned from my grandmother mm-hmm. was that you know, the message I got was that that's what you were supposed to do, that you were supposed to talk to plants, that you were supposed to be in relationship to them, and that indeed was, you know, partly how they grew so well and everything, was was your loving relationship with these plants. So that was the message I got. I didn't get the message that you, that you were crazy if you talked to plants. You know, I got the message that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that is, is what kind of carried me into my adult life, was that... Um, being in relationship with plants was really the most important part of it was was really kind of foundational and so my work with plants you know very early on i began working with herbs especially i'm an herbalist and so that's how it all started out and then of course i'm a a gardener too for 35 years so um so in my garden and, and in my herb work and all of that i brought this into it this idea that that the most important part of all of it is the relationship and so so that's that's what carried me through it, and I would say in my work with plant spirits, it's just the the whole relationship part has grown and grown and grown and grown to the point where I realize now these plants are incredibly magnanimous beings. They're far more than than, than just their chemical constituents, like some earth folks might want you to think that all they are is chemical constituents. They're way more than that. They, you know, they have hearts, they have souls, they have spirits, and they're really here to be guiding us right now during these times. And, so, um, that, did that answer your question? I don't even remember what the original question was. Yes. I'm going on this, I can't,
0: I can't stop talking <laughs> Well, absolutely, because that's really what uh, I would love for us to convey to the people who are listening, is what is it to have a true relationship with the plant world? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if you'd like to say more about it to your your long-standing relationship yes
1: well I mean what I what I do when I have a, a new plant say that I want to work with is that it's just like a person you know being you know getting to know a person is like you know I want to have some conversation with them I want to you know I want to I want to meet with them every now and then you know and then our relationship builds to the point where oh we kind of like each other and we want to spend more time together so, so with a plant, I'll start by, like, i will going through all my sensual awareness, so all my senses, you know, tasting, touching, smelling, you know, all of that with a plant. I'll, you know, I'll use my, my little loop, my little magnifying lens, and I'll look really, really close at everything. So I'll look at all the little hairs and all the little veins and all the pollen, and little little sparkles on it, and, uh, you know, I'll look at how it's reproductive, what how it looks reproductively and... I'll look at it really, really, really closely. So, um, you know, I start by through observation and through my senses and in, in just getting to know that plant, getting to... You it's know, getting to know what they look like and who do they like to live with you know what other plants are growing in their community you know do they like it in the full sun or do they like it in the shade you know what do they like what's what's their personality like so it's like really getting to know the personality of the plant and then I might you know I, if I if it's a edible plant then I would certainly begin to eat it and bring it into my diet if it's a, a plant that I could make a tea out of then I would make a tea and I would ingest that if, it, if it's a plant I can make a tincture out of then I would also take the tincture to see how that in my body, I certainly would make an essence out of it, a flower essence out of it, and see how it how it feels on an emotional level, doing the flower essence. So I would do what's called dieting the plant. I would bring it into my beingness as much as I could, just to feel what it feels like moving through my blood and moving into my cells. And how does that how do how do we interact in that way? And then I would move into this place that I call self sensation. You know, everything carries a vibration, plants and I want to learn what that the vibration of that plant, plant is, but what frequency does it vibrate on? And so I'll go into a whole process of, 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 of being with the plant. And what happens is, is that when you're with the plant in that way, you'll get a feeling, a felt sensation in your body. And when I say felt sensation, I don't mean an emotion. I mean an actual feeling sensation, meaning like, a tight knot in your gut or or your heart gets really, um, you know, soft or expanded feeling or you'll get something that you actually feel as a sensation in your body. Mm-hmm. And that feeling sensation, then I'll, then I'll work with that feeling sensation, which is coming to me from the plant. And then I, 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 I work with that until I get it just so that it, it's called putting a handle on it. It's like you get a handle on exactly what the vibration feels like. So... If you feel softness, is it soft as butter, is it soft as silk, is it soft as velvet, you know, how soft, what kind of quality of soft is this? You get it, you fine tune it and you hone into it so you get it exactly. And that's what you're experiencing is actually the, the vibration of the plant and how you experience it in your body. And then once you identify that, you can call it back up again, and you can be in that same vibration with the plant again. And then underneath that, once you identify that vibration, that felt sensation, underneath that, then you ask for the emotional response. Then an emotional response comes to that, that sensation, and it might be that you're totally overjoyed, it might be you get sad, it might be you get angry. I mean, there's all these you know possible emotions that could, could rise up underneath it, and then underneath that is another layer, which is like, okay, here's the emotional response. Now, what what does this all mean? You start to ask, okay, what's what's going on here? What does this mean? And so so you just keep going through these layers and layers and layers of identifying what that vibratory quality of the plant, what is it trying to communicate to you and um, coming through that sensation. And what happens is that with practice you get to a point where you can really be on that same wavelength as the plant and once you can do that it's like you know you're you're on the same vibe it's like it's like looking out of the eyes of the plant it's like there's not a separation and so um so once you get to that point with the plant it's i mean you can go all kinds of places with it and what happens you know is that the plant actually gives you that this is a You have to ask for this. This is not something that's kind of plunked on top of you, but you ask for, when you feel ready, to receive the healing gifts of the plant, and that's the best way I can describe it. And so, you know, the healing gifts of the plant could come in many, many different forms, but it could be physically, it could be emotionally, it could be mentally, spiritually, or all of the above. It could be for you, it could be for another, it could be for the earth, or all of the above. So it comes in many different ways. And once that plant gives you its healing gift, they don't go away, they, they're always there, they're always there with you, but it is your responsibility to use those gifts once they've been given to you, so, so that's, um, you know, then I would take it to even to another level where I, I do a whole uh, piece of work called Green Breath, which is a focused breathing technique with um, a plant, and um, and that takes you to the next whole level of like releasing all, you know, all the obstacles that are in the way, all that, like I'm not good enough stuff or I'm not psychic enough stuff, all that stuff gets released, you know, spontaneous healing can happen when you're focusing with the plant, with your breath, with the plant. Because, of course, you know, you're exchanging breath with the plants all the time. so when you focus it in that way, amazing things can happen. And spontaneous healing can happen. And you can move kundalini energy. And, you can, I mean, it's, it's quite profound what you can do in focused breathing with a very focused breathing technique with a plant. So there's so many levels you can go to in your relationship with plants. Well,
0: well, would you speak about uh, a, a relationship you have with a specific plant? Oh and
1: boy! Okay, now you're gonna have to make me pick one. It's texture.
0: <laughs> I know that's a terrible thing for me to okay, do. Okay.
1: Well, I'll talk about white pine because that's one of my favorites. And I, as I'm sitting here in my office, so I can see my white pine tree right out, right out the window. So white pine is always here with me, even though when I speak of, when we speak of working with plants, I mean, we're kind of speaking on a species level. So white pine is white pine anywhere, except that I do have a very special relationship with this particular white pine who has helped me time and time and time and time and time again. So um, when I first moved here to my property here in Vermont, there was some clearing that needed to happen for the garden spaces and some trees needed to be taken out. And this white pine happens to on the western edge of the property And so you know that western sun comes and it, it shades the garden in the afternoon and so I had a fellow helping me here and I said well you know I think that tree's gonna have to get cut down and he was like oh I don't know about that you know I, I don't it's a big this is a big tree this is a big white pine I, I don't know about that he says and so he goes home and next day he comes back and I said well Brian I, I said I really want that tree to come down it's, it's, it's going to really block the garden you know afternoon sun of the garden he said well you know, to to be honest, I I don't really think I can cut that tree. I I just can't cut that tree. I was like, well, why not? Well, that tree is not a tree that you want to be cutting. And I was like, okay, you know, all right. So he refused, basically, to cut the tree. And so I was working in the garden, and I heard this, like, I was all by myself, and I, I just love to be in the garden by myself. It's like a meditation for me. But as I was working this one day in the garden, it was just like, you know, this sound came on the wind. It was just like this it was like, a, it was like a, a, a wailing kind of sound almost. It was almost like a, the distant sound of a, like a baby crying or something. Like you'd hear a, a baby cry, but it was kind of off in the distance. But it was, it was like, a, a, like a wailing sound. It's the best I can describe it. And I kind of like went on alert and kind of stood up and looked around and thought, what was that? Where did that sound come from? And there was nobody around and there was nothing going on. And so I couldn't figure out where that sound came from. So I go back to work, you know, and then here it came again. And like, you know, right right in that moment, I turned around and I looked at the white pine and kind of like, you know, the little hairs stood up on the back of my neck, you know, mm-hmm. had a little bristly feeling. And I was like, oh, this is where it came from. It came from the white pine. Wow. And basically, you know, the white pine was just saying... You know don't forget me don't abandon me how how could you even think about cutting me down don't you know that i am you know i am here and i'm one of your main allies here and um on this on this land not only for you personally but for this land here and um it was just like it was like it was so intense and it was so um, really eye-opening for me to realize that, and, and, and it's not like I don't know all this. I'm like, I know that if I'm going to go cut trees or if I'm going to go rearrange things, that's, that's the best way to approach it is, you know, you go and you uh, you, know, you talk to those plants ahead of time or you talk mm-hmm. to that tree or you say, okay, so this is the deal. I, You know, I, if I want to have a garden here, perhaps I need to eliminate some trees here for shade. And so you talk about it, which I have not done. Mm-hmm. And so here's this tree, like, really kind of letting me know that uh, first of all that's that's not how you how you go about things and second of all you know this tree really needs to be here because it's it's holding it's like the western gate on my property it's like holding the energy of the western edge Mm -hmm. um and and it's a huge ally of mine so it really hit me like it was really like you know don't forget me don't abandon me so it was very strong strong and so what's happened with that white pine Mm-hmm. Um this pine has been like with mm-hmm. this kind of pain. And I just put my back up against this tree and this and uh, kind pine just lift the burdens. It's just amazing. And I have had a green breath. I've done my green breath experience with this plant. And with this tree, and the experience that I had with this tree, it was like, oh my gosh, that, you know, mm-hmm. it was like that next level. And I was telling you, you know, you can have sex with plants and trees. I discovered from that experience.
0: <laughs> you like, can have sex with plants and oh, trees.
1: Maybe this could happen, but I didn't really know. But now I see that we can really do this too. So, I, so this, this, my relationship with my pine continues, continues to grow all the time, and um, I just. I feel kind of, it kind of boggles my mind to the extent that this relationship grows. We have a little joke here in my house. It's like, you know, my partner Mark says, it's like we say, well, you know, everything was great between us until that white pine came into my life. So anyway, that's a little story about white pine.
0: That's beautiful. So... I hear you saying that we can have experiences with plants and trees like some of us have experiences with cats and dogs and cockatoos and hamsters and whatever. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: We can have intimate relationships with...
1: Very intimate. Very intimate. Yes, we, we can. and. Um, and the thing that's so amazing is that they're always there for us. We're never alone, and and that's something that I've learned too. That you know, I can I can have you know, you know, upsets with my girlfriends or whatever, you know, and have oh I feel so alone. Oh, you know, what happened with that relationship and all that. But when I with plants, it's like I don't ever feel like I'm. Um, I'm abandoned, or I'm denied their uh-huh. their love, or their friendship, or any of that. It's like it's so different than a relationship with a person, because with a person you got to deal with all that personality stuff that mm-hmm. kind of you know goes up and down and all around, and one day you could be your best friend and the next day you're not. And but with plants and trees, it's not that way. <laughs> once you know, once you develop this really incredible relationship with them, it, it doesn't go away, and it only continues to grow. And they don't. Um, they don't um, leave you behind. They don't do that. They stick with you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really quite amazing
0: and quite profound. So this is kind of a paradoxical uh, question, but um, could you speak about the uh, place of silence in our relationship to the plant world?
1: Hmm, place of silence. That's interesting because that just came up. Day that that idea. I have a young woman that I'm working with right now. I'm doing a mentorship with her, and that was what the message that she had gotten from actually the white birch here was that um, it was really time for her to go into her silent silent place uh, with with the plants. And so um, for me, what that means is that um, I really feel like there's there's places on the on the earth that are like sanctuaries and when you go there, and that's one of the things I'm developing here at, at my place here in Vermont, is we're really working towards it being a, a real sanctuary, which means sanctuary meaning a yes. place of safety, mm-hmm. a place of healing, a place of, um, of holiness, of where the, of where the holy and the, and the divine beings are actually nurtured and fed for, their, um, for their, their spirit that they carry and the healing that they can carry. So when you go into these special places and you just sit, just sit quietly with the plants in that silent place, and it's in that place where, you know, it's not about ingesting the plant, taking it in, in inside you in, in that way, but just being in their presence. It's just being in the presence of these plants and these trees and the earth and the waters and the, you know, the sky, the sun, the air, all of it. Just being in... It's, in the presence uh, especially when when there's been an intentional container that's been created, so an intentional co- container of sanctuaries mm-hmm. uh, for healing purposes. Yes. And you just sit. You just go there and sit and be in quietness, quietness and be in stillness. And when you go into that very still place where there's no chatter, there's no mind chatter, and all of that is set aside, and the static so this is the other piece of this that i've really come to understand is when we can eliminate the static that tends to get into our energy field static from cell phones and computers and alternating current and all that kind of stuff when we eliminate that static which is easy to do with water you know you can you can get in water be near water running water or you know do a spiritual plant bathing with water and plants but anyway to eliminate that static so you get in that quiet space eliminate the static In uh, an environment, uh, a sanctuary environment, where there's a container that's intentionally set for that, and you just be in stillness there, the plants and the trees have the ability, far greater ability than people, this is scientifically proven, by the way, um, that they can fine-tune their vibration to yours. And so, and so that's what they do. They just, if you are just there with no static in your stillness, they fine tune their vibration to you, and then they can start. They can initiate that, that riding the same wavelength. And what they do through light and through sound waves and light waves, what they do is they trans, because all the nucleus of all cells is biophotons, which is particles of light. And once you, it becomes coherent, or a beam of light is created. That's what that. Where the communication travels on on that beam of light. So what happens is through this vibratory resonance is that the the the, the resonance of the plant, which is sometimes called the signature of the plant, mm-hmm. actually um uh uh goes it, it it makes a coherent beam of light with the with the light in your cells. And if the light in your cells are not in alignment with the, the greater nature, or as Chris Popp would say, the man who discovered these biophotons that the light goes awry, uh-huh. the light is discordant, then what the plants do is they can, they can reinform the light in your cells toward health, uh-huh. and that, that is how, on a kind of very foundational source level, that's how true healing takes place is that the plants actually reinform the light in your cells, the ones that have gone awry, the ones that have become misaligned. Wow. And it re the light towards health so that your, that your cells then begin to remember what it means to be healthy cells instead of diseased cells. And when you sit in silence in sanctuary with plants in that way, healing can take place. Now, and, and this is all, Swiss Pop is doing this work with plants. He's, he's giving the vibration of the plants to people, and we're, talking not, we're not talking people with colds and flus. We're talking people with cancer and um, okay. re-informing the light, and people are healing in this way. And no plant has been put in anybody's mouth. This is strictly from the vibratory resonance of the plant. So to me, that's what is um, important about being going into that silence with plants, is that you can, you can be healed from the resonance of the plants.
0: So you're saying that even when there is, so to speak, genocide within oneself, meaning cancer, right. this, can, this relationship can um, alter that?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's well. what I'm saying. Well. To me, this is where health reform needs to be going is in this direction, (laughs) I mean, I don't want to get off on a political rant, but, you know, I mean, which, you know, whether to have you know insurance companies or whatever, to me, we need to to revamp the entire healthcare system, you know, which includes really looking at, you know, how is it that healing really takes place? I mean, (laughs) how does it really take place? Mm -hmm. And what's the source of the healing? You know, going to the source of the disease instead of, like, band-aiding it with let's take you know let's take some drugs and maybe that'll you know take care of the symptom for now let's go to years ago and she had Lyme disease very pretty bad she she couldn't she couldn't sit up in class she would bring a lawn chair so she could lie down because she Mm -hmm. could barely sit up and after about a year of working with her so this is not a quick fix and it doesn't happen overnight Mm -hmm. it takes a little time but after about a year she said it's not like Lyme disease is miraculously And all that doesn't really serve you being you then falls away and that's what happened with her with the lyme disease it's like you know again it wasn't like it was just whisked away it was like she became so full of herself she got so big in her own self and the light in herself became so in alignment with who she was and the rest of nature there was no room for lyme disease there Yeah. so yeah she actually went on to become uh, a really wonderful plant spirit worker
0: herself so Um, because her experience was so profound. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty amazing how it works. You reminded me of something many, 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 many years ago. Many years ago, I was anorexic, and uh, I came to say that uh, I had to shrink my body to find my soul, but then I learned to make my soul bigger to inhabit my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, you say something that I really appreciate. Uh, You say we might go beyond the Gaia theory and into intimacy with the earth. Uh, You say the great healing is coming. Uh uh Would you elaborate on that?
1: Well, the great healing to me feels like Place where, where there really is no separation. I mean, when I, when I think about the, the term oneness, I mean, sometimes I struggle with that terminology because, because we're all different. <laughs> we're all very uniquely different. And if you look in nature, like not being, you know, one leaf is not exactly like the next leaf. I mean, everything is, is uniquely different. And at the same time, there is this place of, you know, great spirit. There's, there's spirit in all of life and, or it wouldn't be alive if it, if it didn't have spirit in it, because that's the, you know that's the definition of spirit is, is that which is life giving. So it wouldn't be alive if it wasn't full of spirit. So there's spirit everywhere, mm-hmm. and, and yet it's like a hologram. There's this, you know, you, you take one individual, you know, you take a little piece out of the picture, and, and you can see the whole in that piece. So that's what a hologram is, and so that's that's what spirit is i see spirit is life. is we've got great spirit we've got this huge great spirit and then we take an individual aspect of that like a dandelion is one different than a violet say and there's individual unique representations of spirit and yet they contain the whole within them so when i you know look at this great healing i that is upon us i i do believe mm-hmm. it, i feel like it's this evolutionary movement of, of spirit it's this Spiritual evolution that we're involved in right now, and you know we've kind of gone about as far as we can on a physical level, spiritually um, evolving me as well. People, I'm talking about, Um, and that, and that when we when we start to 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 evolve spiritually and bring it into consciousness, you know, then we stop hopefully (laughs) destroying the planet. I mean, I think that's what spiritual evolution is about: is getting to the point in our consciousness where we realize that oh everything is dependent on everything else so here we are our unique carrying our unique gifts our unique abilities and all that and we are part of the whole we are part of the great spirit and everything i do affects everything else and vice versa everything that happens you know with a with a plant or a tree or anything out there affects me as well so So that we realize that it's just this interconnected web, and and we're one of the threads in the fabric of life. Mm -hmm. And that, um, so that we're so so understanding of this connection, that we would never do anything that would be uh, destructive to another aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And yes, I do understand, you know, okay, well we have to eat, so that means we have to harvest plants. Uh, so, uh, so what does that mean? Is that is that destruction by going out and harvesting a plant? Well, I think we have to look at again what what's our what's our path. You know, what's our soul's path? You know, part of edible wild plants that part of the soul's p- path of those plants is to feed people and to feed animals. I mean, that's part of what they're doing here. And so, is that destructive? gratitude, always even gratitude for giving thanks for the food that they they provide for you so that you can you know make the make the the tissue of your body and so that you can live. And so when we do it all in a conscious way, in a gratitude way, in a feeding spirit, you know, giving back giving back what's been given to us. Even prior to that, there's been this really upswelling of interest in plants um, uh, like psychedelics, but, you know, mushrooms and ayahuasca and all that Yes. Altered, you know, mind, you know, alter the brain waves and all of that, so that you step into those other dimensions quite easily. However, you can step into those other dimensions with plain old, you know, dandelion, burdock, and nettle that's growing right here. You can do that as well with them. You don't need mind-altering plants to step into another into the unseen dimension. But what, what's happening is this upwelling of interest in those kinds of plants or in flower essences or in plant spirits and working in that way. And what I think that is indicating is that the plants are, again, they're just preceding us in our evolution. This evolution is of a spiritual nature. And so the plants are wanting us to pay attention to us another aspect of themselves, which is this spiritual aspect, and that they actually can guide us in our spiritual evolution if we be paying attention to them in that way. So great healing. I think that the great healing is upon us, and I'm quite excited about it, and I believe that the plants are leading us there, and that they can really help with the healing of the earth right now, too, because the earth is a bit compromised right now, and continues to become more and more compromised. That's why it's so warm here in November when there should be snow on the ground. It's like things are changing. And um, I believe that when we work with the plants specifically for that purpose, to help with the rebalancing of the earth, to bring back a particular type of homeostasis, is that the plants can help us to do that. Um, so, yeah.
0: Can you say or would you like to say anything about... Um there, um, it's reported that there is more and more um, autism or borderline autism in, uh, in children and um, sometimes it's explained like uh, a right brain under development and uh, I was wondering if you had something to say about uh, how a relationship with uh, the plant world can uh, help heal that.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I definitely think it can. Uh, there was a woman named, not was, there is a woman named Linda Runyon. Linda Runyon, this was years ago. She, her son was autistic, and she and her husband were like, you know, advertising execs in New York City. And they decided that they were going to lose the country, and they mm-hmm. went to the Adirondack Mountains in New York. Uh-huh. And they lived completely off the land. They harvested only wild plants. They only ate wild plants. They did not eat any other kind of of, of process or even cultivated food. And that, and I went and visited her one time, and I remember, you know, some of the stuff she served. I, was, you know, I'm a wild food eater, and I was kind of like, whoa. And it, that was even pushing me to the edge. Some of the things she served, but um, <laughs> it was great. Everything, everything, everything was uh, harvested from the wild that they ate, and they healed their son of autism. As, as you possibly can like you know in the Adirondacks of, of mountains of New York State and fed him completely wild foods he drank you know spring water water that you know moving water that, that came from the ground and they cured him of autism so I definitely believe that that children can be can, can be positively affected by being At all, of course, I have in, I have lots of gardens here, and I grow. Uh, but it's the way you it's the way you grow them. So you know, if, if you're really in relationship with them, and you're really loving them so much, and then they're taking in Our cell receptors are like, you know, they—they have—it's like, it's not a keyhole. It doesn't look like a keyhole, it's more like a beautiful mandala. But you could imagine it like a keyhole. And the wild plants are like the original key that fits perfectly into that lock. And every time you take a step away from that, so. Uh, Uh, a wild plant, and then you have a cultivated plant, and then you have a cultivated plant that's got, you know, herbicides, pesticides, growth regulators, and all that, and then you take that and put it into a food processing plant, you know, by the time it's gotten to a food processing plant, you know, there's hardly anything recognizable left from that original tea, which was the wild plant. And so, so what happens with processed food is that our bodies go into stress reaction because it 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 takes a lot to to um to, to break that food down and to be able to absorb any nutrients from that food for our cells to, to take up to you know, feed up feed themselves. Yes. Whereas the wild plant is like is the most available nutrient that you could possibly get. It's very vital. And it's very available, and it's very easily absorbable because it's what was it's designed perfectly for our cells and our cell receptors to take them up. So, so, they, so our body doesn't go into stress reaction when it eats the wild food. It goes into stress reaction when it eats a processed food because it says to itself, Oh my goodness, we don't recognize this. This is non-self. Oh, uh-huh. well, how do we go about by getting some uh, nutrient out of this processed food? Oh dear, we're going to have to do this, this, and this, and uh-oh, can't break down that. environment as best as possible, in this modern day time, that's difficult to find actually these days, but as much as possible, eating wild foods, that they
0: absolutely respond, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Pam Montgomery, we have five more minutes in this wonderful conversation, and so it's my pleasure to ask you, what you would like to talk about and what you would like to um, convey to our listeners.
1: Mm. Well, I want to tell people first, before I forget, because I usually forget this part, that I do teach classes here in Vermont. I teach a Plant Spirit Healing Apprentice Program for people who really want to delve into this in depth. And it's a seven-month program. It starts in April and goes through October, so it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so three days once a month, and I do also teach plant communication classes here and around the country, those are three-day weekend classes, so just so people know about that, Mm -hmm. but what I think is important that I would like to say is that it just feels to me like we're in very, very uh, big transition times right now, I mean, this is... like, oh, maybe if I just don't look at that, it'll go away. It's not going away. It's here, and um, and, and we're really being called right now, we're, uh, we're really being, what I'm hearing from people all around is, you know, people who don't even, aren't plant people, they don't even, they don't even think about plants so much, but then they have an experience, they have this outrageous experience with plants, and they're, they're like, they call me up and say, I don't know what's going on, I don't know why these plants are doing this, what's happening, and I say, well turning up the volume right now they're, they're calling us they're turning up the volume because they are here to help us you know we've' we have such a symbiotic relationship with plants we're very closely related to plants much more so than we are to other animals even and so they're calling us right now they' they're, they're asking us to, to, to step up to the plate and to evolve and they're asking us to do that and so I would just I would just ask everyone to when when you hear those plants calling to you and when you when you pay attention to a plant in a new and different way and in a certain way, then don't deny that. Don't, like, disregard it. Don't say, oh, well, whatever. That's just my imagination. or like, Oh, what a coincidence that is. Mm-hmm. I would say there's no coincidences. whole new paradigm and shifting these old paradigms, these old paradigms that we've lived with for, you know, a few thousand years that that really don't work anymore. They're they're pretty outdated and they don't really work. And so it's really about stepping into a new paradigm, a a new way of life on this planet, very life-giving. means sustainability means you you stay within the loop you don't go outside the loop and and sustainability so that we can actually be on this planet in a a way that's, that's life giving and that has to do we change paradigms and we change culture by telling different stories yes so that was that's what i would like to leave everybody with is tell a new story tell the story of how the plant or the tree affected you tell the story of how spontaneous healing happened you know tell your children that you know, they can play outside and they can be with the earth and they can be nourished and loved and healed by the earth and all of, its, all of its plants and all of its trees and water and everything. Tell that new story. Tell a life-giving story. And I believe that we really can perhaps make a shift on this planet. And that's what I would like to leave everyone with.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Pam Montgomery. That was Uncle. just wonderful. Future Primitive is made possible by the Marion Institute. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting our work by making your own tax-deductible contribution online at futureprimitive.org.